I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Swapcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torrent Strait Islander peoples today. We're talking again about body swapping Welcome to the Swapcast Podcast, the world's only podcast dedicated to body swap movies. I'm your host, Paul Mitzi, and with me we have... Brendan Levi. And you may have seen her in Sydney Morning Herald's street scene column, joining us all the way from Melbourne. Welcome to the show, Hannah Dallas. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. Wow. <laughs> Kept that one quiet, I thought. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down the 2011 supernatural romance, Love on a Leash, where a man who has been reincarnated as a dog attempts to make a human woman fall in love with him in order to be turned back into a human. But before we get into that, just a reminder that we absolutely love hearing from our listeners and we welcome film suggestions for future episodes. So please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Send us an email at theswapcastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support our show, reviewing us is the best way possible. So to say thank you, if we reach 100 star ratings on iTunes and Spotify, we will finally fulfill our fans' most common request to review Face Off. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on our show today. Do you have any idea what you're in for? Um, I'm so thrilled to be here to start off with. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm in for, but I know what I'm in for based off watching the film. I know I'm in for a really good discussion. <laughs> Amazing. I said to you yeah. yesterday, Paul, I was, I'm not sure whether to kiss you or slap you for making me watch this film. <laughs> Well, if you ask Brendan and our, our usual co-host Lucy, the answer is always slap, slap me. Oh, slap. <laughs> um, uh, Brendan, do you have a question uh, uh, to Hannah that I cut you off? Oh, uh, I guess I like. I sort of feel like I'm an avatar for our audience. Um, and so, because this is like my first time meeting Hannah as well. So um, I, I just wanted to like, ask what was Paul talking about do we still have to wait is there like a part of the show where we'll, we'll be revealed or yeah I don't think there's going to be any kind of grand reveal it sounds like Paul has done like a, a cheeky google of me and I'm not I'm not very googleable um but if oh, it must have been like 10 maybe nearly 15 10 years ago 10 years ago um there was a street scene like photographer journalist you know one of those ones who's just like street style um with the plebs sort of thing. What are they wearing? <laughs> What's your inspiration? Who's your style icon? And I remember absolutely panicking on the spot and I said Meryl Streep. <laughs> style icon. Which, you know what, I kind of stand by. Yeah, I, I think that's a solid choice. Yeah, people made fun of me at the time, but do you know what? She is timeless and she's chic and, yeah, I'm, 
I'm all all for her. Paul, do you have any more highlights from the article? <laughs> Let's bring on I'll, our guests. I'll, I'll, I'll let you Google it. It's fine. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to what we're really here for, uh, Love on a Leash. Now, some films like Bademic or The Room have gained cult status by being epically terrible. Does Love on a Leash deserve to stand alongside these films, or is it on another level entirely? Hannah, I'll let you start. Um, okay, so first of all, why it wasn't called The Dog Prince? completely escaped me. Uh, I think that it is on its own level. Um, I don't really know whether to discuss the traditional components of the story and filmmaking because this film kind of seems to abide by its own set of rules entirely. It's Mm -hmm. so completely bonkers on a scene-to-scene level that I find it hard to comment on it as a cohesive whole because I guess there isn't one. Um, It's just kind of one insane vignette after another. (laughs) But um, if I were to try and give it, like, very serious critical reading, and I mean really try, I'd say this film is a darkly comic indictment of compulsory heterosexuality and the wedding industrial <laughs> complex and its effect on young women and their sense of self and, um, unfortunately, their sense of style as well, I would say. <laughs> so pretty strongly. Um, yeah, I think this is... In another category, I think the the room is at least trying to be a film that yeah. the absence of a soundtrack <laughs> really does detract from the sense of this being a finished product. I think. <laughs> I think that's what's so engrossing about it is I'm just at a loss for how this like came about because, like you said, it's like did they mean to make something intentionally this awful, or did they intentionally mm. think they were actually making a good film, or like, how do you how do you involved in this, and at what point did it fall apart so like extravagantly? Like, it's <laughs> it's all over the place in so many ways. I I don't know really where where to start. Like, it's kind of exquisite in that way, isn't it? It's just every. I, I, I felt like I was watching like some installation in a like an art museum or something like that. It it was yeah. that that like I was I couldn't look away. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they sometimes say every fa- frame of painting for a beautiful film? I feel yeah. like every frame a hot mess in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's such a hard film to describe because it it doesn't feel like it was made by someone that understands film on any level, but it also feels like a film made by someone that doesn't understand anything like humanity, <laughs> dogs. See, this is where I disagree. <laughs> I feel like they understand so well that they knew how to break every single like aspect of like the, tro- like any trope or like uh, it, like, I feel like people would at the moment say, Oh, this was written by like a chatbot, And I'm, I'm, yeah. I completely disagree. I feel like this goes beyond what would be like possible from just like a a monkey with a typewriter. This is yeah, a, something it's- a chat a chat bot would have made something more comprehensive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah, more this, of it, a creative disaster than that. Yeah, because you can't even say like there's some films you're like, this feels like if an alien was like looking at humans and made their version of what they think we are. 
but it, it isn't even that. It's just so far removed from everything. It's just <laughs> its own thing. I was in awe. And, and like, after watching it, I went onto, like, the IMDb trivia to try to kind of see if there's any explanation for this. And there's so many conflicting reports of why this film is like it is. Like one person says that the soundtrack was accidentally deleted by the editor and they couldn't get it back. And then another person said that there is a version with a soundtrack, but they couldn't get the rights to put it on the streaming versions of this film. So that's why they removed See, that, it for the streaming. To series. me, makes sense. That's that's what I assumed it was. Was there were so many gaps where you're just waiting for something to play. Like even in the opening sequence, it's like everyone knows you like have some sort of opening like music. It's just completely silent and absent of yeah. everything. Yeah. Did you check your no. audio at the start? I thought. Like, I didn't have my sound on or that I had it turned right down or something. My theory was Paul had sent us a link to, like, a, a video that had been uploaded to YouTube illegally. Mm. And they had cut the movie up and, like, and rearranged it in, in spaces <laughs> so that they wouldn't get, like, taken down by, like, the uh, by the studio. Like, it would be found automatically, you know what I mean? Um, so that was my best guess, but it was just how the film is edited and sounds. It's the ADR, like the really um, abrupt cutting in and out of poorly recorded ADR. That's what yeah. makes it feel so janky. And yeah, the, yeah. the voice of a dog that is completely in, like talking about a different film and is in no way like the same character as the, the dog when he's a human being, you know what I mean? Well, it's a different actor. It's, it's a, a different, different actor, actor playing a but different it's also character. A diff- different <laughs> character altogether. It's like when he's a human, he's like this loving guy. And then when he's a dog, he's just completely being borderline abusive to the main character, <laughs> like consistently and making gay jokes. And it's just like, what is going on? Yeah, it's like this Jekyll and Hyde thing where he goes from <laughs> this like loving wet blanket to a homophobic, racist, misogynistic asshole. <laughs> really? <And>, Stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, f- I feel like before we go any further, Paul, like, um, I, I should explain how to, a part of the show is Paul gives us a 30 second summary of the movie. <laughs> great. Okay. <laughs> and I think it would just be great for him to do that now. I think. Uh... <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I will. I don't see myself succeeding because what is even this plot? But. <laughs> All right. You ready? Um, count- Count me down. All right. Three, two, or one. So there's a dog wandering around, uh, just commenting on things. And then we find out that he, oh no, he goes to like a magic well and the well tells him that he needs to find love to become a human. So then he finds this girl and uh, tries to get her to love him. But then she finds two guys one, his mum wants her to get her tubes tied, and then another one um, is secretly gay oh, and wants her to be sorry, Paul. So, so close, but so far. <laughs> so, so far. Like, how much stuff happened in this film? <laughs> and you missed, like, 
one of the most important things is that she really likes green. I assume that's important. I anything in this film could be important or nothing at all. So uh, yeah, <laughs> she likes green a lot. Like it's almost her entire personality: being a virgin and liking green and liking kids. Yeah, like and, and, <laughs> and, and and like the the way that the film just plays like it's going to mean something by the end of the film. Did I yeah. miss something? Was that was that actually a, a plot point that, that they actually resolved? I think it was more like it was supposed to add like a comedic element because the dog kept paying her out for liking green. But I don't know. I also think that it might have been the production designer or whatever decided everything was going to be green. <laughs> the, the guy ADRing the dog was just looking at the footage and well yeah the guy who's adring the dog is like has not actually watched the film until he started adring and ad-libbing lines for the dog like he didn't have a clue what was going on he's just going oh i'm I'm running down the street now and uh, oh oh, there's a girl and she's dumb right like that's that's the entirety of it i feel like his worst moments are his random songs Oh, yes. They are an absolute <laughs> low low point. I've got the lyrics for one here. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm a dog driving a car. I'm going to her house. We're going to go far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. So, I think, like, one of the first things we hear him say is, like, a man is patting him while he's in the park and he's like, lay off, man. I'm not gay. <laughs> uh, and that and that is when I knew the film was going to be great. Uh, <laughs> it's just so uncalled for. The, yeah. Also, when he um, has that transformation in the sun at that um, very fancy lunch with the yeah. the boss of the clothing store. Yeah. Um, what does he say? <laughs> All right, grab on your pizza-faced cinder block. <laughs> <laughs> to, and for the, for the like listeners, like I, I feel really bad for them if they haven't watched this one. What Hannah is referring to is the uh, the dog romantic the, lead. Yeah, the romantic lead talking to the protagonist, <laughs> telling her that she's a pizza-faced cinder block. Yeah, yeah, the woman that he's supposed to be falling in love with. Is almost drowning. Yes, sorry. and Context his reaction, his reaction is to call her a pizza face cinder block and resent the fact that he has to rescue her from the pool. <laughs> and the reason she fell in the pool is because she was so shocked that he transformed back into a dog in front of her new boss and his family. One line he did say in this film that genuinely made me laugh, and I'm ashamed. And every time I hear this in anything, I always laugh. Uh, for some reason, when he goes, we should call the wambulance. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, that was early on, right? When she first adopts him. I can't remember yeah. what she's talking about. <laughs> no. No. Was it, was it when she was crying after Orbit's being raped? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's he like, we should call the wambulance. <laughs> once again, the romantic lead <laughs> talking to the protagonist of the film. Yeah. So a few trigger warnings in this film. Um, self-harm slash suicide, uh, rape slash sex- sexual assault. Um, that was the third one, I feel like. But, yeah, those two alone, I feel like, is yeah. enough. <laughs> uh, 
reincarnation uh, transformation. I don't know. I don't think that's a trigger warning. <laughs> if, if that's anyone's trigger, I want to meet them. Do what have they been through? <laughs> a trigger is like um, a, a golden retriever being this unlikable. Because yeah. I would never have thought this possible. So, there, on IMDb, there is one person that has kind of written what an account of how this film came to be. So please indulge me. I hope this isn't too long. No, we need this. Like I, I have no. I need answers, and I have no where to like put my finger down on this film to start talking about it. So go ahead. Okay. So here we go. The story behind the film was writer director Fen Tian was living in China, writing and producing movies for stage and film, but she really wanted to direct her own baby. At the age of 44, she moved to the U.S. with only $50 and barely knowing any English. For money, she worked for a housekeeper for 24 families, but she was terrible. Though her drive to become... (laughs) How did they know? I think I heard that little detail. (laughs) Though her drive to become a filmmaker never waned. With steady dedication, Fen Tian was the first student from China accepted into the directing program at AFI. For 16 years, Tian tried to finance her own movie. The script for Love on a Leash won an award from the Taiwan government for best script and received production money. It was the only time in history that a foreigner received funding from the Taiwan government. But for political reasons at the time, Fen Tian could not accept the honor. A couple of years later, Fen brought an American cast and crew to China to make the film, but the funding fell through before they could shoot a single frame. Fen lost all her savings. About four years later, she then took to her local church for funding. She lied to the priest, telling him it was about a woman who uses the power of Jesus to find love. He gives her $15,000 through the church to make the movie under one condition, that he see the finished product before it's released. Tian agreed and went to make her movie. After filming, the priest met with Tian to see the movie and found out what it really was. He was very upset, demanded his money back, and condemned the film. <laughs> hilarious. I actually heard that that was the reason that she couldn't um, pay the composer. Was because oh, wow. that, yeah, this was on the Reddit thread, but um, yeah, because of that withdrawal of funding, she wasn't able to pay the composer, therefore. Man, and wow. it could have actually been complete and made complete sense. Yeah, that would have, that was the problem. <laughs> uh, but it's very what much it like... still doesn't explain how this becomes <laughs> what it is. It, it, yeah. what, I'm even more confused that now that I know that she went to some sort of film school. Like, Yeah. I think it's a film school of duck transition. Swimming duck transition. That's what they feature that film school. <laughs> Between every scene, there was just duck <laughs> swimming on the pond. Yeah, the, the, the but see, then I, I all of a sudden was like, wait a minute, do they know what they're doing? Because eventually, the the duck is swimming alone when the dog dies, and I'm like, that's a, that's a that's a choice. That's not just randomness in the universe happening right now. Like it, that, uh, this really hurt, Paul. <laughs> Do you know the other moment where I thought that maybe they were trying to do something consciously? You know Kyle, the the gay man who proposed yeah. to her? Yeah. So they're in her apartment, right, and the whole conversation is set in front of this um, painting of um, a girl with a kitten. Yes. Yes. Um, which goes acknowledged in the first 
part of the scene for some reason. I'm not sure yeah. why they need, like, she talks about the providence of it, like, who the artist is and stuff. And, and that then they- it's, like, it's for sale at Stanbury's or something like that. Sotheby's, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> and then they have this weirdly framed scene in front of it, which I thought he acted the hell out of, personally. It was one of my favourite scenes. Yeah. <laughs> it's practically Shakespeare compared to the rest of it. And so if you think about that, if you can picture this painting, right, so there's the girl um, in profile looking at the kitten holding it up and there's that kind of like um, she's looking down and they're, they're facing each other, almost looking like they're in conversation. And then in the further in front in the frame, they're doing the same thing. So um, he's looking up at her and then right, like you can see the the cat and the, um, the girl behind them. I just thought like visually, are they trying to do something here or am I just trying to throw them the scrappiest of bones? <laughs> Well, yeah. I think the bone thing, yeah. The bone? Because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk about any potential symbolism or... Well, I, I know exactly what you mean, because I was, I was thinking a similar thing, because I'm like, there's no... Like, because in that frame as well, like, the the two people talking are almost off camera. Like, and it's not yeah. like you've got eyes to connect them. Like, you're just, like, getting these little glimpses of them. And it's... And, yeah, it was like, are they doing this on purpose like that was the constant battle in my mind is like are they doing this on purpose is this yeah. is this a a thing that they know what they're doing or uh, is this like a, a pity relationship with a, with a <laughs> child like, i don't know i'm re- reading way too much into it now yeah but like how messed up was lisa lisa's journey in this film <laughs> where everybody that coaster. she come across everybody that she comes across is either trying to have sex with her marry her or set her up with someone there's like every single other person on earth is invested in lisa's sex or love life while calling her ugly the entire time right yeah yeah (laughs) and i think like she's worse off for that relationship with prince she it doesn't bring her joy or fulfillment she just spends a lot of her time crying and then yeah. she wastes her life in that sad little apartment waiting for him or just, I don't, I don't even know what she's, she's doing for that 30-year period. <laughs> I cannot believe this film had a many years later scene at the end where she's an old lady. I was not expecting that. <laughs> no. And she's been waiting for the dog to come back to her this whole time. <laughs> uh but I, yeah, like, yeah. so, so she meets two guys and one of them turns out to be gay and wants to marry her so that she, he can pretend to his family that he's straight and she, he wants to artificially inseminate her. And he says this in the marriage pr- proposal. And then the other person that she's dating has an overbearing mother who puts her aside and tells her, if you're going to marry my son, you need to get your tubes tied because <laughs> if you have another baby with him, it will kill his what political aspirate the political aspirations He'll never be of, president. of the one child he already has. <laughs> and she would know because she used to be a gynecologist and, and she she's a nutritionist. nutritionist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was gonna perform the tube tying herself. Mm. <laughs> um like she's my favorite what- character, by the way. Oh, she was amazing, <laughs> gay icon. If I ever seen one, 
but on what universe the, was the writer when when she wrote that, that? Like, how does that come to mind as something that a human would ever say or do or think? It's such a waste of um, script and screen space as well. It doesn't actually serve any purpose, really, apart from to paint like Lisa into further into the unlovable corner. Which, yeah, to be honest, like the gay proposal did a pretty good job of. We didn't need yeah. to have the tubes <laughs> tying um, conversation either. And then the mum and the, like, mum's friend who are, Rita. like, overbear. Yeah, they're trying to set her up. And, like, when they have that dinner where there's the overhead shots and they're all sipping from their spoons <laughs> in unison. <laughs> At the same time. That is when I was like, is this film self-aware? Because that is the most bizarre fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, that's something out of, like, a David Lynch movie. Yeah. Like, what were they trying to achieve there? Like an awkwardness or I, I really don't know, but it, it was very deliberate because there was obvious, there was no audio. So someone's up above calling now eat like three, two, one, lift your fork. I, I truly hope everyone listening, like at least scrubs through the YouTube and has a look at the select scenes because this film needs to be seen to be believed. Like, oh, truly. I really don't think I'm any of us are really bringing across how fucking bizarre this film is. Like, we've we've watched some shit shows on this podcast, but this this makes them all... Yeah, like, it's just, it really is on another level. It really is, like, similar to The Room in many ways. Like, I was thinking about the the mother character mm -hmm. I think we were talking about before. In in terms of um, her weird illness how she just kind yeah. of drops off the cliff at the end. So there's a couple. I've watched this twice, by the way. There's, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's this very early hint where Rita says, oh, your mother would be here were it not for the LA smog. Yeah. She, she's always, like, on her puffer. And then there's that um, really bizarre um, confrontation scene on the steps mm-hmm. where um, she shove, shoves Lisa and then grabs mm-hmm. her puffer and, Lisa's gone. She's never going to see her again. And then all of a sudden she's like on her deathbed. Are we to assume that asthma is terminal from, from that? Or <laughs> but And there, there are those scenes where you think you're in one scene and then it cuts to the next scene and you don't know if it's still supposed to be the same scene. And, yeah, that was definitely one of them. It's like, was this directly after? Was this a week after? Yeah. Was this years after? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's very much like the mum in the room, mystery illness, tr- uh, being very intrusive in her daughter, Lisa's love life. Like they're both Lisa, <laughs> the room and this. Um, but I have to say this makes the room look like a comp, like a competent this makes, film. <laughs> yeah, this makes the room look like a normal film. Mm, yeah, it does. By, yeah, yeah. Direct contrast. For sure. We all just need to remind ourselves as well that she tried to commit suicide and it was never mentioned again. And she just arrived yeah. home that night and just went about her life. Do you know the funny thing is we've hardly talked about the fact that this film's about a man, a dog that becomes a man. <laughs> <laughs> and that she's having sex with it. 
the furry moment for me was um, where there's a shot of him half with his little tail. tail Yeah. Yeah. And how about the scene where they finally I know exactly have, what you're going to talk about. Where they're finally having sex and it kind of pans away and all you hear is him going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big romantic moment. I thought you were going to talk about the scene where he's preparing his meal in the kitchen and she comes up behind him and um, puts the collar Dog on collar him. Dog <laughs> But not, not, like, she doesn't nail it the first time. He kind of has to, like help her put it on because it awkwardly like gets on his chin yeah and then and then they have a photo shoot yeah with her in a wedding veil i thought that was just to convey that they actually got married right no but they they didn't because he doesn't have a birth certificate and there was no celebration (laughs) but like they had like a spiritual wedding you know what i mean yeah and then like there's the whole plot where he wants to earn money by becoming like a dog actor Yes. And she, for some reason, she's, like, violently opposed to it. Yeah. And, and the reason that he a, even gets the job is because she goes to a, a clothes shop. And then I guess he chooses, a like, dog she has a talent top. scout sees yeah. a, a dog picking out outfits for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's edited in such a weird way that you don't yeah. even know what the fuck is happening in that scene <laughs> It's just like a massive pile of clothes and a dog like walking all over them. Yeah, they they threw a bunch of chum into a pile of clothes and they're like, whatever footage we got, that's what the story is. So, yeah, good luck, editor. One of the trivia notes of this film is that there was eight different dogs playing Prince. Like, how? Why? How did they get this much resources? Yeah, did you say $15,000? Yeah. But, like, I was looking through the IMDb's and so the like, the people that worked on this film have, like, worked on proper movies. Yeah, oh like, at God. the end they had, like, bloopers where they're, like, actually, like, slating things. And I'm like, oh, you, like, recorded, like, scenes and stuff. Wow, I just assumed. <laughs> I just thought you kind of, like, got up every day, shot it in sequence. and um, Yeah, yeah just, 100%, yeah. right? <laughs> I've seen children's productions that are better than this. Like, in production value. Like, I've seen TikToks better than this. I made a film about my dog that I, (laughs) this is when I was, like, eight, that I considered Mm -hmm. to be better than this film. I don't know. This is spectacular. This is. (laughs) I don't know. haven't seen Toby Gets Lost, so. (laughs) It'll be on the socials, right? Uh... (laughs) Just as well, it, it came out in 2011, right? Yeah. Why does it look like it was made in 2003? Uh, this is some, This is actually not uh, unique to this film. A lot of bad movies always look like they came out in 2003. That's the era, the era. that they always <laughs> evoke. Every bad Hallmark movie we've watched has, like, they're always the same ugly 2003 yeah. clothes. Their houses all have ugly 2003 furniture in them. She even had, like, a 34-centimeter, like, tube TV in her living room. Yeah. But, like, the other weird thing with her apartment was, like, the the furniture was for children. Did you notice? <laughs> yeah, that? and it all <laughs> had, like, the stencils. It was like um changing rooms. Do you remember that TV show where they'd, like, yeah. oh, we painted all your furniture and we stenciled shapes on it. Now it's cool and funky. But, yeah, it was children's Ikea furniture. You know those, like, yeah. um, 
this is going to be really hard to describe, those hanging <laughs> um, shoe storage things that are made out of net and they were lime yeah. green in her house. They were hanging yeah. next to her door. There were two of them and there was just like <laughs> two plants in them. That yeah. really tripped me out. I know that's a really <laughs> weird thing to pull out, but it really bothered me. <laughs> Actually, I just thought of, like, going back to the dog being an asshole. <laughs> Sorry, we're going all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> but when she... This is like dog, uh, like an she... audio experience of what the film was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> when she uh, tried to kill herself and she OD'd, and the dog, instead of being concerned about the fact that the woman that he's supposed to have loved is going to die. He's like, if she ODs, I'm screwed. I'll never be a human. <laughs> yeah, but he was, in, he was in asshole mode, Paul. He wasn't in human um, nice man. He was a dog, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, but, like, that wishing pond or whatever it was, the, yeah. the yeah. <laughs> Was really just dicking this dog around, right? Um, yeah, because he it would he'd the the pond would be like you got to do this, this, and this. He would do it, and then he'd go back to the pond. They're like, no, 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 that wasn't good enough. Now you have to do this, and every time he'd go back, it was like another thing that he, you know, now you have to earn money. Uh, that's the way to be a good husband, um, and he does that. And he's like, oh no, that wasn't good enough. It's like. I felt sorry for him in that in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> he felt something. Wow. Um. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask because you're probably being a body Experts, spot yes. podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The transitions must be something you've seen a lot of. Um, mm. How would you rate or compare the transitions in this film to other body spot transitions? Um, I already know what Paul's going to say. Because he got to see the guy's ass, he's going to give it 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, no, because that wasn't as part of a transition. She's talking about the actual, like, the bit where he turns from one oh, to another. Oh, the visuals yeah. of, like, yeah, the, yeah. The, the screen being, like, covered in, like, sparkly confetti. and <laughs> uh, It's probably the ugliest <laughs> yeah. change we've had in any of the films. Um, and we've seen some actually like very good dog swaps uh, in terms of visuals. Like the original Shaggy Dog had some like really cool like practical s- effects, yeah, practical fifties effects. Um, yeah, this this was pretty fucking piss poor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought it looked pretty bad, but I just needed uh, to be doubly sure. I was actually shocked that they had like an actual digital like Effect. transformation. Yeah. Like I was shocked they had the budget for that. They didn't. Because I, <laughs> they didn't obviously, but like it, but that was like an anamorphs level. Yeah, that they made the choice to like yeah, to put that into the budget rather than just going, look, let's just do everything off screen and you know, he'll enter a door, exit a dog, um which yeah. they did a couple of times, but yeah. <laughs> There is a scene um, which really um, came out of nowhere and she had no reason to be there, but it's the playground scene where she's just walking past a park, she enters a playground, she approaches a woman (laughs) who has two children and tells her that, oh, no, sorry, I'm telling this wrong. She's asked to take a photograph of the family, takes a picture of the family. They do it right next to the 
bottom of the slide, by the way. I don't know if either of you noticed that. Like no one could, no one else could get off the slide. So they're backing up the slide, which I found to be stressful. Um, <laughs> and then she was like, you've got beautiful children. What's your secret? And this woman whispers in her ear, scene change. She's in the car with Prince and like things are getting hot and heavy and like they're about to do it and it's like I, I met a woman in the park today and she told me a secret if you have hot sex your children will be beautiful and then it all just like <laughs> balls apart from there it's so weird so weird that whole thing every just- sex scene was so weird like <laughs> so every ugly person you know they're parents are having bad sex yes yeah correct i guess that's what the film is teaching yeah (laughs) that's the thesis of the film uh yeah did you find any of like the uh romance (laughs) scenes like hot and heavy did you find them sexy on any level my favorite was (laughs) when they were first uh for the first time making love with uh animal morphic dog man <laughs> it's when when he's like trying to take her clothes off and she's like giggling she's like rolling around like <laughs> it was just it was like watching a, a like a man try to address it oh that sounds wrong <laughs> no let's not talk about <laughs> but on that bed my god can we talk about that bed the it's love just, heart shaped bed. It's more like a vagina shaped bed. I thought it was like <laughs> brown and furry as well. I'm like, yeah, it was like this brown velvet. Yeah. What what virgin, like proud virgin, has a heart shaped furry bed? <laughs> like that is only a bed you would find on the set of a porno. Nowhere else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was very porno. What a journey this film took us on. Like yeah, we haven't mentioned the um her friend reader. We haven't mentioned is it like her mom's friend? What well, yeah. is it Mary? Yeah, who is she? she was just this yeah. random woman, uh, just another Pissy person bot. who wanted to infiltrate herself in in yeah. Jana's life or whatever. Yeah. Or we haven't mentioned Paula, her best friend that was like giving her shit for being a virgin and then as soon as she finds out she's actually having sex with her, her gets angry at her and storms out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that broke the relationship, right? They never saw each other again until they like, were old ladies. 40 years yeah. later, yeah. Yeah, there is so much. Like we could we could go not even scene by scene. We could go frame, frame by, by frame, frame and talk about every fucking bizarre thing in this film. That's how I feel. I've just got so many things written down. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't even mentioned that he says shebang when he transforms <laughs> into like the first time he says shebang. <laughs> or when uh, she's having the uh, dinner or the lunch with the boss and the boss's kids and the daughter goes, uh, I'm a medical doctor. <laughs> Oh, man. And you know that dinner's fancy as well because there's red and white wine at the same time on the table. Very fancy. <laughs> also, uh, I run a dog training business and naturally it's very successful. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's what All it right. becomes. Wait, like, can we can we talk about the swap 
aspect for like two minutes before we okay. move on to Yeah, the lore, the lore oh, yeah. of the swap in um, yeah. this film. So, as I understand it, he, as a dog, he knows that he was a bad person in a previous life. But, like, it seems humans aren't aware of this aspect of, of the universe that, like, you reincarnate and that, like, it's it's legit and stuff. But then when the dog dies and then 30 years later he comes back to the house, he seems to be completely aware. And then he, like, poof, turns old as well. Like, was... Was he aware the entire time, and was he just waiting till he was old enough to to go back to her? Like, what? Or was he never aware, and he just so happened to go look at this house for a rental, and then all of a sudden, all the memories came flooding back? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, Brendan. All those things. All of the above. No, but they also turn young again at the end. And then, yeah, they turn young, and then... Is that through the power of love? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really would love, a, like, a, a serious documentary I just about like, the making of this film. I'd just like, like to sit down with the script <laughs> yes. and see how much of this is on paper. Because well, you said it won an award, right? Yeah. Yeah, but a- according to IMDb's trivia, she wrote this script in Chinese and then used a program to translate it into English and then refused to let anyone correct anything about it. You know what? It did have a little bit of Google Translate about it. Mm. So you're yeah, telling I, I totally me understand it. everything that the dog said was written on a pa- piece of paper? Like, it was... No. So the apparently the dog... The guy that voiced the dog voiced the entire film and then they couldn't match the footage to anything he said in the original script. So then they just showed him the footage that they shot in a day. He just re he just riffed over it. Thank you. That makes complete sense. That's exactly yeah. what it felt like. And I'm glad that one mystery has been solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a bigger mystery. And that is uh, how hot did we find the cast of <laughs> Love on a Leash? Where are the ladies at? Oh, no girls, no fun, man. No girls, no fun. Hey, lay off, man. I'm not gay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You heard what we thought of the movie, but how effect- attractive did we find the cast? Now it's time for Hot or Not. Take it away, Hannah. Are they a toot or a boot? Are they ugly or cute? Tell me if they're hot or not. Ding. Ding. Everyone, Everyone is beautiful, beautiful in their own way. Yay. <laughs> uh, very beautiful rendition. Um, <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
a little voice crack at the start there, but we came through. <laughs> All right. So let's begin. So I like to start by saying like INDB's cast list doesn't seem completely correct or complete. <laughs> Yeah, I, I understand why. If I was involved in this, I would have... Yeah. Half the trivia section is, so-and-so is ashamed of their involvement in this film and will not discuss it. <laughs> so one of those people, Ping-Woo? <laughs> because Ping-Woo does not have it on his IMDb, but Ping-Woo definitely was in this film. <laughs> who, who is Ping-Woo? Uh, the love interest who turned out to be gay. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because wow. I was like, I've seen this guy in a million things. How is it not listed on IMDb that this guy's involved in it? And then, yeah, I, I get oh, it. Oh, wow. Because well. <laughs> he's been well, in, like, Seinfeld. He's been in, like, like almost every TV series, like Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, he's in it. And then it just ended up being like this. And I was like, oh. Poor guy. This really, I'm sure this really dogged his career. Oh, thank you, no. thank you. Wah, wah. Get out of here, Dad. <laughs> All right, so let's start with Yana Camp as Lisa. Hot with, or not? With or without the worst extensions I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, you know, choose your flavor. Choose your favorite, Lisa. <laughs> oh, look. Can we start with, do we think green's her colour? <laughs> <laughs> it's no one's colour. No. That shade of green, vomit green, is no one's colour. <laughs> I'm going to say almost hot without the extension. Yeah. She actually, her voice and her look kind of gave me early Anna Faris. Yeah, sure. I see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Have you ever pitied someone so much that there's no way you could find them attractive on any level? <laughs> That's where I was at. Because you're like just in a, 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 a spot of immediate concern rather than ever. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that her character was always in hysterics crying um, was not a turn on in any way, I think. <laughs> um, Prince begs to differ, Paul, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's... He loved calling that way ambulance. Uh, just every, like. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to, uh, look, I'm going to be kind though and give her a, a, I think she was pretty, and I felt sorry for the fact that everyone in the film was calling her hideous when she really wasn't that bad. <laughs> Not that bad, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to give her a hot. What's right. your final, final grades, guys? Uh, I'm, I'm. Like once again, I've seen I've seen pictures of her outside of this green film of hers, um, <laughs> and she is an attractive person. But uh, Jana in Love and a Leash, why she used her name as the character as well, I don't know. Um, she didn't. IMDb just listed it wrong. Oh, she right. was Lisa. Lisa. Oh yeah, she was Lisa. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep track. Uh, yeah, no, disgusting. <laughs> All right, uh, so we've got Anise Carmo as Prince in his human form. So Alvin Flang. Well, <laughs> I guess so, because, uh, like, Alvin Flang, I count as the dog persona. Because yeah, because it's his past he, life, right? 
It's his part. So, and when he's the dog, he kept going, I'm Alvin Flank. I'm Alvin Flank. <laughs> <laughs> Which he never did once as a human. <laughs> I'm just going to um, be very swift here and say not because I felt oh, wow. unwell. So the rig, <laughs> the rig is everything. But, yes. um, yeah, the mug. Yeah, well, the, the hair, the hair was horrible. The, like yeah. the wig, was it a wig or was it, it just looked like a wig? Yeah, yeah. And was that just purely because his hair's not blonde and they, they want it to be the same color as the golden the retriever. retriever? Yeah. Do you reckon the wig was made from one of the? <laughs> they killed one, one of the, the dogs. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so they had eight dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we need seven weeks. <laughs> uh, look, I agree that the body was very good. Um, the hair was hideous. Um, the face, um, he actually looked like um, Steve from Stranger Things. But like left in the oven for a bit too long. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, purely based on the body, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a hot because you could always just put a paper back over his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my non-controversial opinion, Brendan. <laughs> uh, uh, he was fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've not much to say after that. So, yeah, <laughs> except uh, you're leaving the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Rob Lanza as Frank. So this is the boyfriend whose mum wanted to sterilize Lisa. No, oh, terrifying. He gave me serial killer energy, like him, like looking through the clothes racks. Yeah, and, mm. yeah, like the button up. Sh- um, short sleeve shirt. Um, yeah, it was definitely giving. Um, I'm gonna like clip your toenails and keep them in in yeah. a box kind of vibe. So yeah, it's a not from me. So so Hannah, if you were working at a clothes shop, yeah, and a guy came up and said he was buying some outfits for his girlfriend, yeah, um, and so you gave you gave him all the recommendations. He bought what you said. Then a woman rocks up, a woman you know rocks up to your house with the clothes that you just per- got the guy to purchase, saying that he was actually purchasing them for you and gave it to you as a gift. What would your reaction be? Terror. Just <laughs> um, yeah. But wouldn't you like appreciate how brave it was to get? someone to deliver <laughs> some clothes noticeably to if I say shit like this like not not the same but I've had something like that happen to me at work. So yeah, scary. Can men, we men can we that? can we pry that story out? Oh um Can you uh uh give us your trauma for entertainment? <laughs> I worked at a hotel and one time a guy followed me home with a gift and presented it to me at the at the door and declared his oh. love for me and that was very uncomfortable so i can so i married him. with lisa <laughs> what was the gift oh it was like you know when you go to target and you buy jewelry and it's kind of 
it comes in a cardboard box, but you still yeah. know that it's the Target brand. Yeah, it was that wrapped up in a box. Oh, that story makes me sick. Yeah, oh. it still makes me feel a little bit sick. I'm glad I could, you know, trauma dump on everybody this evening. Did you? Did he like keep coming back, or did he like never come back again? He didn't come back. No. Oh, yeah, I, I quit. I quit not long after that. It was very much a go to Telstra and change my number kind of situation. Jesus Christ, men are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle. Ka- played by Kyle. Ka- I mean, yeah, sorry. Ping Wu. Um, yes. Uh, so the backstory here is that he, yeah, he wants, he's secretly gay and wants to artificially inseminate Lisa. Hot or not? <laughs> <laughs> what was the age difference? They looked, I thought he was like old enough to be like her father. <laughs> yeah. They just did not look like a match on any level. Yeah. <laughs> and if if you're casting someone that's supposed to be secretly gay, it it just didn't match on any level. Well, you're supposed but, to be able to yeah. pick it. Well, if I were to cast <laughs> that character, yeah. it would have not been that guy, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, it's a so, knot for me. I- yeah. I'm he's not a bad a person, but he's just so non-sexual. Yeah, so, Brenda, you give him a knot? Yeah, no. <laughs> Is this almost like knots across the board? I don't think we've ever had this for a film. <laughs> Terrible. This segment, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> but it has to be done, right? Wait, yeah. what about um the grandmother? Oh. The the mother or? Oh, yeah, the mother. Well, the, the grandmother the like, of the... The sickly oh. mother... Or are you talking about the tube-tying mother? Tube-tying mother, hot. Oh, yeah, Gloria Winsip. As, yeah. Hot. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give her a hot. She had she had girl boss energy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> she had a medical fetish <laughs> written all over her. Um, I'm going to say, because you didn't bring her up, um, the friend, the friend was, she was attractive. Oh, yeah, she was Paula. like. Yeah, the one person who didn't look like hideous. Like, she looked like she was constantly at a rave party, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I thought yeah. she was an attractive woman. Had fun outfits, fun hair. Was very, very pro pros- <laughs> being promiscuous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was very, she was in touch with her sexuality. She and was angry at anyone who wasn't. It's was like, get out of yeah. my life, you virgin. Oh yeah. wait, no. Actually, it was just being yourself because she was she wasn't angry that she was a virgin. She was angry that she was hiding. She was like a hypocrite. Yeah, and yeah, that she was moralizing about it. I think sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, she was hot. Yeah, yeah. I I thought Paula was great. Let's end on a high note. Yes. Yeah, we love you, Paula. <laughs> Whoever you are, because you're not listening on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, and that and that alone says volumes about who she is as well, is that yeah. she's like, I don't want to be attached to this. It's yeah, good. the hottest thing about her is that she's not listed on the IMDb page for this film. <laughs> we love an enigma. Lisa, my grandson is only 10 years old, and we're very anxious to find a stepmother for him. I've heard that you love children. Yes, I do. This child has been raised using the latest scientific technology in nutrition, education, and psychology. He has an IQ of 170. 
Wow, what a smart child. Of course. And to be certain that he grows up to become president of the United States, we must ask a specific request to any prospective stepmother. She cannot have any children of her own. No children? Yes. Furthermore, in order for her to not become pregnant, she must agree to have her tubes tied before the marriage. Now it's time for Opinion Swap, where we find some entertaining reviews of Love on a Leash from across the interwebs. The first one's from Matt Singer, uh, who is one of my favorite reviewers, and he gives it half a star. And he says, if you tried to make the worst movie humanly possible and in the midst of that endeavor, a dog somehow ate your camera and all your memory cards and you had to cut something together out of the scraps of the surviving footage at the last minute to present something at your contractually mandated premiere, you couldn't make something this awful. It makes Bademic look like the birds. It makes Edward look like Edward Albee. It makes Tommy Wiseau look like Thomas Pichon. Truly a new low in the world of movies. <laughs> Chef's kiss to that review. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you can't really argue with anything he said that. Um, this one's from Mo Polyak. He is at five stars. And they say, want to get fucked up? Love on a leash drinking game. Take a shot or drink when, one, Prince sings, two, duck transition, three, when stars appear, four, frame rate increases or decreases, five, Lisa cries, six, no sound, seven, whenever there's a dog picture, eight, Prince says something borderline abusive to Lisa. (laughs) I think you would be dead, dead. within five minutes. Yeah, that's minutes. Um, one way to get your stomach pumped. <laughs> but I I would love... One thing I really regretted about this film is watching it by myself. Yeah. I think this is a film that would be rewarded watching with a crowd, watching with your friends. Um, maybe on something might help that even better. And I feel like that yeah. might be in my future at some point. Next time you're in Melbourne, <laughs> Paul. Yes, let's, let's do, do it. it. Love, love on a leash night. Uh, Drew Phillips 09 gives it five stars. And he says, the way no one is talking about this film, I don't use film lightly, so I mean it, is a tragedy to mankind. Unironically good. This sensitive, charismatic, thought-provoking and unpretentious film shows that truly anything is possible. Not a stagnant moment. I'm completely inspired by this masterpiece. Makes me want to get off my ass and create something, no matter how bad. <laughs> I don't know if that was genuine or not. It might know, actually be. It is kind of inspirational to see someone put out something like that. Yeah. It's like, if they can do that, I can do anything. <laughs> if they can call that a film, like, I can make a film. Genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make a film. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Just get me eight dogs. <laughs> How many wins? Uh, finally, I'll get some <laughs> finally, Eli Hayes. He didn't give a star rating, but he says, 
just your typical drama about melancholia, suicidal ideations, sexual assault, barbaric bestiality, and terrifying traffic collisions. Good lord. (laughs) (laughs) And just on a side note, um, somebody's altered the INDB content warning. So it says, sex and nudity, severe. Violence and gore, severe. Profanity, severe. <laughs> Alcohol, drugs, and smoking, severe. Frightening, intense scenes, severe. <laughs> <laughs> it's got quite a uh, high rating on IMDb. I think it was at 100% at one point. Yeah, so apparently some podcaster decided to make it his mission to get this a 10 out of 10, and he told <laughs> all his listeners to do it, and they did it, and then he got kicked off of IMDb. Worth it. I'm a dog and I don't know where to go. I have no one to call my own. I will never make my goal. No, I'll never make my goal. Cause I'm a dog, I'm a dog, I'm a dog. I'm all alone. So let's get to tenuous recommendations where we each recommend a piece of media that is linked to today's movie in some way. And a reminder, if you ever want to see a list of all the recommendations we have made on the show, head over to our letterbox page, which is linked on our website. So I'll get us started. My connection is the fact that this film doesn't have a musical score. (laughs) Now, (laughs) who knows why it doesn't? There's several theories. Um, But I want to recommend a film that intentionally doesn't have a musical score and it really doesn't to kind of amp up the reality of this film. It's a fictional film, but it feels real thanks to the way it's directed and an amazing lead performance by Marion Cotillard. And that is uh, the 2014 film Two Days, One Night. Have either of you guys seen this one? No, I have not. Um, So, yeah, this is a fantastic film. It's not the happiest film. Um, but it's about a woman that uh, hasn't been able to work. Uh, and when she comes back to her workplace, uh, her boss says that they no longer have the budget to keep her on. But she's going so through some very hard financial difficulties. And then the she tells that to the boss and he says, well, I've just told everyone that they're getting Christmas bonuses. If you can convince everyone um, on the team to forego their bonuses, then I'll have the budget to employ you again. So the film is her over the course of two days and one night going to all her co-workers and begging them to give up their Christmas bonuses so that she can have money to live. Oh, wow. Um, it's a really powerful movie. Um, and yeah, Mar- as I said, Marianne Cotillard is amazing. A heartbreaking performance. She's a beautiful actor. I love her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never seen her give a bad performance. I've seen her in movies I haven't enjoyed, but she's never been the, the reason. bad thing about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would really recommend seeking this one out. Um, I don't hear it talked about a lot. When it came out, it was, like, very much praised, but it's not a film you hear discussed very often. So if you've never heard of it, you haven't watched it before, yeah, two days, one night. Hannah, what do you have for us? 
Um, I have a tenuous recommendation called The Frog Prince, which is a 1986 film. Um, yeah. Partly because I feel this film should have been called The Dog Prince and partly because <laughs> The Frog Prince is another body swap film, I suppose. So Okay. Yeah, it's a live-action musical released in 1986, retelling The Frog Prince, starring Aileen Quinn, who um, played Annie in the original Annie, if you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we've also got Helen Hunt, of all people. Wow. Playing uh, her older sister. Mm. Yeah, I really want to say as little as possible about this, apart from the, the, the man who's playing the frog prince is a fully grown man in a frog suit in a terrifying piece <laughs> of like facial makeup mask like um, like the rabbit in Doddy Darko kind of thing he, like. uh, yeah yeah like as scary i would say but he's not supposed to be scary he's supposed uh. to be endearing and um <laughs> Aileen Quinn's character the princess is a, a small child oh. um so it's interpreted <laughs> as a a friendship of sorts okay. between them rather than being like a ro- romantic connection. Anyway, this film holds like a very special place in my heart because I watched it a lot growing up. Um, mm. It does not hold up on an adult rewatch. So enjoy. <laughs> enjoy so you're that. recommending people watch it though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I <laughs> recommend you do it on the curious. podcast actually. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I'll, I will add it to our list. Uh, it's on the movie. <laughs> so you're recommending it to us. Got it. I am. Yeah. 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 Amazing, yeah. Okay, I I'm very curious. I'm I'm always up for a musical. So, and uh, some really the, good songs. Some really good songs. Okay, yep. have any like crossed over into like the zeitgeist, or they're all very obscure? No, would you like them to? Like maybe we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's restage the musical. Great. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> all right, uh, Brendan, what's yours? Uh, I was also going with. A swap, I guess. I just realized that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Since I'm, I'm <laughs> connecting it to a swap. Uh, the film I was going to recommend is the film The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which uh, is a film directed by Jim Cummings and starring Jim Cummings. Uh, it is about a police officer who um, is having like trouble with his, with his daughter, but also... Um, sort of like this, like sort of anger kind of thing, um, but it's also about a, a werewolf in a small town and people getting all paranoid and um, bodies turning up and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. It's really funny, but it's also uh, very heartwarming as well in bits. And I uh, really am a big Jim Cummings fan, so I would also recommend anything he's done, which I have. I've done Thunder Road on this show, have I? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I I would second that recommendation. I I really enjoyed Wolf of Snow Snow Hollow and anything that Jim Cummings makes I think is worth a watch. I'm really excited to see his new movie that hasn't come out in Australia yet. So, mm. um, yeah, no, great recommendation. And it's like sort of a dog rat, like a wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can <laughs> see that. Dog family. <laughs> I'm sorry, I misjudged you, you poor thing. You have better intuition about people than I do. No, duh. If you head over to our website, you'll see that each of us has ranked every body swap film we have reviewed on the podcast. But 
Hannah, of course, because she hasn't reviewed anything on the podcast before. Um, but my question is, where are we going to put Love on a Leash on our lists? So, Hannah, I guess it's it's the first and the last on your list. <laughs> Can you, yeah. Are you going to put it at the top or the bottom? <laughs> the top, I the think. The top, yeah. yeah this is going to forever hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah. And my personal cinema memory, yeah. Yeah, I you can say a lot about Love on the Leash, but you can't ever call it forgettable. No, no. That being said, I have no fucking idea where I'm going to put this on my list because I've put some bad films, very bad high. films, yep. high, and you know, like Pretty Cool and Velocipasta. Well, actually, Velocipasta I think is a genuinely good movie. Pretty Cool was so bad, it's good. And I put that fairly high. Like, I, I kind of almost want to put it on the bottom of the list, but I enjoyed it so much more than some of these terrible movies we've watched that are just boring. I'd rather watch a, f- a complete failure and laugh than watch one of these middling failures that just bore the shit out of me. So, that being said, I'm going to put it in between... Two cat swaps we've done, Mister Fuzzy Pants and a Whisker Away. I'm I'm putting the dog in between the two cats. I feel like a Whisker Away and Love on a Leash go quite nicely side by side as yes. vitals. Yeah, and I could see them as a double feature. Someone's mm-hmm. going to do that. <laughs> I just feel sorry for all the people who like animated a Whisker Away. Like yeah. the 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 amount of people who are involved in that film are just like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's a gorgeous movie to look at, but it was kind of fucking boring. Yeah, sure. Problem. And yeah. that's that's what I'm going on. It's like, what would I rather watch again? Uh, Avatar: The Way of Water or Freaky Friday 1976? Uh, and the answer is, I'd rather watch Freaky Friday 1976, but I'd rather watch. Love on a leash before Avatar again, so I'm putting it between those two. That is insanity. <laughs> You're putting Love on a Leash above Avatar the way of one. Is it an option for me to do that as well? Because I'm gonna jump in. <laughs> I just feel like if I watch this again, I'll appreciate new things. I'll find stuff that I didn't even see in the first like You know, watch, like, there is a genuine, like, for some reason, I'm just genuinely, like, I want to understand what, like, there's just so many facets of it that I want to understand, and I I know I never will, but I might just go insane trying to find it. I'm I'm very glad that I introduced this film to you guys. I'm glad that you appreciate it. I was watching it going like, this is either going to be a fun conversation or this is going to be a tirade against me. No. Oh, my gosh. I'm so <laughs> grateful. I'm going to yeah, formally express some gratitude, Paul. Thank you for bringing love on a leash in my life. <laughs> I have a new leash on life. <laughs> Amazing. And I also watched this at like 12 at night and I stayed awake like – Wow, so, and you've fallen asleep through so many like. I fell asleep through Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so can we possibly live up to this next week? I am sure we cannot. So next <laughs> episode, we'll be watching the 2017 sci-fi In Control, 
where a group of university students discover a device that allows them to take control of others and experience the world through someone else. As they push the machine's abilities to its limits, they begin to question the device itself. So Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to get really gross. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've, we've watched enough of these films to know the you know the signs of a film going all pervy. Yeah, and I feel like this is going to be one of those. That's all the hallmarks <laughs> of a very pervy film. Yeah. <laughs> Did you listen to our uh, interview with the uh, erotica slash director of uh, Pretty Cool? Oh, I'd love to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a porn porn director who made a swap film um, that. Also, he had to make two versions of the same film, and like the film that we reviewed, there's also a porn version of that movie. Did he direct that as well? <laughs> Both at yeah, the same had, time. He okay. had he had to make multiple versions, so every scene could then continue on to a hardcore sex scene. <laughs> but then he just could, could, but he also had to make it compression. Yeah, yeah. So that was our last episode. So have, have a listen. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much uh, for coming on our show, Hannah. Yeah, thanks, it's Hannah. been an absolute pleasure. And the fact that you watched the film twice, I don't think any of us have ever done that. I don't do that much homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was easy homework and it was a joy to um, chat with you guys. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, if we do this creepy frog one. Uh, please, if you do the frog prince, please do invite me back because I'll have lots and lots to say. Definitely. You'll definitely be there. Uh, So until next time, don't be a piece of shit on the ground, DPW, and review us on iTunes or Spotify. And I was Paul Mitzi. I was Brendan Levi. And I'm Hannah Dallas. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Swapcast podcast is recorded in Adelaide, Australia. It's hosted by Paul Mitzi and edited by Brendan Levi and Paul Mitzi. Our theme song was written and performed by John Marco of Two Creative, featuring Lucy Thomas, and recorded at Browntown Studios. Our music bumpers were created by Reggie Parker. Contact him on parkerregmusic at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.